Welcome back, folks, to 2-Bit Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a cave-clearing boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who likes to read the rulebook, and a man who ripped guitar riffs across Eastern Europe. Will every human. Will, how you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing right, Dan, but as as many people have been experiencing today, it's not the best day to be too, too jubilant about the state of society at the moment. I don't think with the cold-blooded murder of George Floyd at the hand of the Minneapolis Police Department, uh, and all the right, the protesting that has led led to rioting across Minneapolis, and I'm sure similar situations will be cropping up all across the United States in the days to come. It's it's been a hard day to be particularly jubilant about the lighter things in life. Yeah, I agree. It's a uh, Christ. I mean, where to begin? It's just yeah. a, it's... as always. It's just a, a damn damn shame we even have to have these conversations, and we have to have these conversations. I can't I can't understand. Do you know what? I, I can understand sometimes we've tried to do it while this whole coronavirus thing's been happening and some weeks we talk about it, some weeks we don't because we don't want it just to be all about that all the time. But this is something different. The George Floyd death is just another horrendous example of the crises that hit people all over the world, not just in Minneapolis or in America. You know, people of colour, different races, different ethnicities, even different sexual orientations. It's just like no one's ever safe from just presumptions about them. And I, I don't know. It's just horrendous. I will say that the police officer, this is kind of breaking news from 20 minutes ago. The police mm. officer who was who was kneeling on George Floyd's neck has been charged with murder and manslaughter. Oh, has he been charged? I knew he'd been taken into yeah. custody, but he's actually been charged. Yeah. Oh, thank God for yeah, that. Yeah, he has. George Floyd's never gonna, never coming back. I get it, you know, there's a process to follow legally and it's the right thing to do, but... Yeah, we, we can't strictly go even... out and, and enact vigilante justice upon the man, though, you know, many would argue that he he deserves to lose his life too, and I can't say I'd necessarily argue too viciously against him. But, sorry, you you were going to say, Dan? George Floyd's never, you know, his family's never getting him back, and we shouldn't have even been in that position in the first, you know, we shouldn't even be in this position in the first place, that... Another innocent black man has just lost his life because of, you know, inherent racism, problems in society, poor training, poor social skills when dealing with people of different ethnicities and colour. Just a massive, just a massive shit show on all fronts. And when people put on Twitter that, you know, the last three terrorist attacks by white males, those white males have just been arrested and taken into custody yet there are three black men who have died because one was on his phone, one was just sat in his car, you know, George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe, and, and those guys are dead. Yeah, if you're a white guy with a gun and you're going and blow away a school of kids, it's just, well, come on, Sonny, let's see what problems you've had in life and we'll talk to you about it, shall we? So to, to go back to the reason for arrest, George Floyd was arrested for a bounce check. Yeah, it's like you or I going into the shop and, and having your card declined, and then, and then you're violently taken into custody when you're not resisting arrest, uh, an officer refusing your appeals for for mercy when he's got you in an unnecessary restraint and you are clearly saying that you cannot breathe. Which yeah, you know, last I fucking checked, saying you can't breathe is saying you are going to kill me if you carry on doing what you're doing. It's outrageous and. It really just shows 
the people who have any problems with the protests in, in Minneapolis last night and carrying on into today, I'm sure, you're just exposing your either complete lack of understanding and willful ignorance of the situation or the fact that you're so pro-police, you're anti-human life and specifically anti-black lives. That's that's as simple as it is. There's no there's no need for sort of reasonable discussion over these topics because there is no discussion to be had. You are either pro police brutality, or you are pro human life, pro black lives, and it's it's a situation where there are so many people that get in their backs up at saying, "Oh, I'm a police officer and I've never been, you know, I've never brutalized a person in custody." Like if you aren't like with so many issues around race and gender and identity in the world at the moment. If you feel upset by the things that people are calling other people out on, calling the bigots out on for their behaviour, if you're saying, well, I don't do that, you're not the fucking problem. Sit the fuck down and pipe the fuck down. The the discourse online and in the media is just, it's showing people's asses in one way or another. At some, at some point, at some point, society just says enough is enough. And this is what happens when enough is enough. What what do you expect? So you're just gonna you're just gonna keep killing unarmed black men, and everyone's just gonna keep forgetting about it and trying to pass it off. No, at some point when your voice isn't being heard, and you're not being taken seriously, you have to go to extreme measures. And and the people last night who rioted felt as though you know what at this point that's it. What what else are we supposed to do? And I think it's hilarious. Like Colin Kaepernick takes a knee over police brutality. And he is absolutely vilified in the media, trying to spin it into something else. And this is exactly the thing he was talking about. And yet, doing a silent protest and trying to do it the proper way also apparently didn't work. So if I'm going to take a knee and do it silently to just make a point, to just say, look, we need to be careful of this. If that doesn't work, what do you expect? After that, if it keeps happening, I'm just going to start kicking and screaming. And that's what that's what society's done in this case. And it's it's like you say, Dan. It's not just that the Kaepernick protests and the others involved in such protests, protests. Sorry, it's not just that it didn't work and nothing changed. You said he was vilified, and he absolutely was vilified. He was the man hasn't played an NFL game since that season. He's been, yeah. you know, he's been exercised. You know, uh, excommunicated from, from his job, from his livelihood, not based on his skill, based on his political opinions and his political actions. And you had, like, Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States of America, left the game because Colin Kaepernick knelt for the flag. You had an entire section of the United States uh, population up in arms, ready to, to, quite frankly, lynch Colin Kaepernick for, for what he's done. And in in their words, you know, disrespecting the flag and disrespecting America. When your peaceful protests are met with the rage and anger that you would expect from violent protest and still nothing is done about it, why not? You're getting the response from a violent protest anyway and you're not getting the results, so you might as well go to the violent protest because you can't have a worse, res- worse response. What's the MOK line? It's... Is rioting is the um is the the language of the unheard, and that's absolutely yeah. what's happened. Yeah, sorry to to derail the podcast immediately into into something depressing, but it feels like I hope today is a turning point. I do. I hope the last few days have been a turning point for 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 race relations in America and worldwide because because it feels like we're in an important situation and it needs to be talked about and it needs to be. 
to bring it back into hockey, where we were talking about Akeem Alou last week and however many weeks before, and we have consistently talked about the issues of race and identity and representation within the hockey world. If we do not have members of the media, and I know it's a stretch to call us members of the media, but if we do not have members of the hockey community proclaiming their allegiance to people within the Black Lives Matter movement and, and any people of colour and any people of 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 a of a minority identity any part of the world if we do not have members of the hockey community standing up and saying that we are with you and we will not stand for the injustices that are being dealt upon you you know if you're silent you are part of the problem i just think we need to draw our line in the sand and say we are with you yeah some some things i'll some things i'll i'm fine with us not talking about and some things i think you know what yeah that's probably not not our you place. Know, I don't know enough. Of, yeah, it's kind of not our place. We don't know enough about it. I don't want to say the wrong thing, or maybe I have a difference of opinion with some things, and it's just not worth getting into it. But there are some things I just feel we have to talk about. I get it. I get it. This is a hockey podcast, and if you've listened to this now, thinking why are you talking about this and not talking about hockey, that's the reason why. We cannot just ignore these problems and just say I'm a sports player. Of any sport, these don't these things don't apply to me, because they do. It all applies to you. It all applies to me and Will and everybody. It's real life, and at some point, someone's got to someone's got to say. Even when we had Meredith on, Meredith said she's bisexual. She's not doing it to represent, or she just enjoys writing about women's hockey. And she says, "I don't care if only one person hears me and thinks, oh wow, she's she's bisexual and she feels comfortable enough to do this.'" then maybe I'll give it a shot. We have to stand up as human beings, not just as people who talk about hockey on this fucking dopey podcast. We have to stand up as human beings and say, okay, we don't agree with this. Because do you know why we have to do it? Do you know why we have to do it? Because how many fucking NHL players are going to come out and say, you know what, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. How many? Like, what, 1% of players? Half a percent? you got you got JC Brown, you got Curtis Gabriel... And... Evander Kane, there was a, Evander Kane had a quote today. Okay, there you and go. Evander Kane, someone. But Evander Kane like made a great point. He said, "Like, why aren't Tom Brady and Sidney Crosby saying stuff? Like, they're the people, yep. they're who people listen to. They're the players who people will listen to." It, it shouldn't be on minority players because it's not a minority issue. No, it's a world issue. It's a people issue. The the murder of people for their skin color affects everybody, and if you pretend that it doesn't, again, you are part of the problem. Do not get that confused. How many NHL players are going to come out and take a stand against something like this? Fucking none of them. You you could yeah. have Tony D'Angelo coming out and saying that he's starting a podcast where it's not going to be politically <sighs> correct. Did you, did you see that like 10 minutes ago? Fucking yeah, I did. It's like, fuck's sakes. To be fair though, Will, to be fair to Tony D'Angelo, the white <laughs> man's voice is not heard enough on hockey podcasts, is it? Definitely not. Definitely not, you I know. think. I think we'll... it's about time that it's about time that white hockey players had a voice. I think the the thing I've always the problem I've always had with with like spitting chiplets and barstool and and you know, all of their content is it's it's just not Trumpy and racist enough. That's what I've really been looking for. I've I've wanted spitting chiplets but with more <laughs> open racism, and I'm really hoping that Tony D'Angelo and Brendan Lemieux can can provide you know serve that niche corner of the market for us. Oh, for sure. That's what that's what the world needs right now. 
that that's it. That's where we stand. I think that's. I think we've said all that we can before we start repeating ourselves. Yeah. Do what you can. Raise awareness in any way that you possibly can. If you're able to uh, donate money to the to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is providing bail for any arrested prote- protesters or raising money towards bail for arrested protesters, and don't <laughs> don't lose sight of the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Still, stay stay safe out there. Just just do what you can. Stay safe in in all facets of life and for all reasons possible. And let's just hope that these dark days lead to a better future, which a million people before me have said, and hopefully not a million people will say after me. I was going to drop this new segment later on in the show, but we have got a new segment called That's a Weak Ass Statement. Uh, two inductees this week to the That's a Weak Ass Statement Club. So first is Minnesota Wild hey. with their statement about George Floyd's passing. The Minnesota Wild is deeply saddened by the death of George Floyd on Monday night. Everyone in our community deserves a right to feel safe and protected. No kidding. These times call for our community to come together and not be divisive. Lol. Our hearts and prayers go out to the family and friends of George Floyd. Nice nice and fluffy. Nice and fluffy. Don't mention racism. Don't mention murder. Just say, hey, you know that guy who was murdered because he appeared divisive to other people? Well, let's not be divisive, shall we? Let's just all, uh, let's just all come together. I wouldn't. Maybe the Minnesota Wild could have a maybe the, the Wild could have a, a big ring and roses session, or something like that, and get everyone involved. I, I wouldn't even call that a fluffy statement. To to me, it's very, very clear in their wording. You know, now is not a time to be divisive. In in the midst of the protests within their own state, that to me is saying they do not support the protests. What the, and, and to an extent, if you don't support the protest and the protest means, then you aren't fully supportive of of the reason for the protest. So, especially when you compare it to the other four, other three, sorry, major sports teams in Minnesota, their verbiage wasn't exactly, yeah, let's go and kill all cops, but it, it, it was enough that it was you know, neutral enough to the protests without putting their foot in it and making it sound like they're against it and they're pro you know pro police and anti-civilians sort of thing yep and the <laughs> you get a you get a two for this week with the that's a weak ass statement club the second inductee was i mean who else but the nhl let's let's uh i mean they're going to be permanent inductees our weekly uh, uh, inductee <laughs> Weekly inductees. Akimalu's story of his journey through amateur and minor league hockey is compelling, disturbing, inspiring, and above all, instructive. As a league, we've done a great deal of work over the last three decades to make hockey more inclusive. No, you haven't. Since last November, when Akim first told his story publicly, these efforts have been accelerated just in time. We know that important and significant work remains to be done at the NHL level and throughout hockey to ensure that our game lives up to the ideals that are truly essential to it. And we value Akim's continuing and important contribution to that effort again not saying the word he was racially abused or he was a victim of racism or, and, or even the physical abuse side of it even if they're not going to I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say and the physical abuse <laughs> it's the, the, I just <laughs> the first line of that statement sounds like a fucking press release for a film that's just been aired at Cannes I'll read it again shall I do it in, the, in that voice Akeem Alou's story of his journey through amateur and minor league hockey is compelling, disturbing, inspiring, and above all, instructive. Mark Kermode says, this is the best hockey film I've ever seen. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. I don't... 
I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't understand. You know, I'm not even going to say that because I do understand. I know why hockey players won't come out and say shit like this. I, not partly. I don't think it's because all hockey players are racist because I do not think that. Clearly some of them are. But it's clearly a you can't say anything because if you do, a percentage of our fan base is going to tell us to fuck off and we're not going to get their money. Yeah, we, we are vitally reliant on the Confederate flag waving dollar. Right. <laughs> so true. Oh God, it's so true. It is. It is. <sighs> it's and and it's particularly disheartening. Like if, if I'm a Kimaloo and I wouldn't once want to pretend that I know what it's like to spend even a second in that man's shoes. But I, I, to me, it comes across as like, yeah, we might be having ongoing talks with Kimaloo about what we can do to further improve the culture around hockey, especially when related to, to issues around racism and abuse. The fact that they've not even named it, they've not even used the word racism, like you say in the statement, to me says, no, we're not taking these talks seriously because we can't even stare the issue in the face. We can't even name the issue in a public press release about the man who who we're, we're in direct talks with about solving the problem. How serious can you be if you're not actually talking about the thing you're meant to be solving? Do you know what? You know when you read something, you know when you read something and then you, but then you actually read it. <laughs> We've done a great deal of work over the last three decades to make hockey more inclusive. If that said 30 years, you'd be thinking, it's taking you 30 fucking years to get to this? It's taken 30 years to get to this point here? Where it's still really shit? We've been, we've <laughs> been working hell, for man. 30 years and Keandre Miller is still being called the N-word on a, on a yeah. live Zoom call. It's taken, 30 right. year, it's taken 30 years and so far, this is the best we've got in 30 years. That's why they've put three decades. Because you don't read that as 30 years. 30 fucking, fucking years. hell. How bad must it have been 30, 30 years fucking ago? years. Oh, 30 it's... years to get to here. God. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> disgraceful. <laughs> I just... Oh. I just don't know what to do anymore. Oh. <laughs> let's, let's just let's just get on to hockey talk. Before Come on. Fucking hell. Like... I'll say something we've got stupid a, or whatever. Distract ourselves from the horrors of real life in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Should we start the show? Yeah. Okay. God. It's fucking 30 awful. fucking years. 30 years. 30. <laughs> They've been, the NHL have been trying to eliminate racism from their sport longer than I've been alive. <laughs> which, by the way, which, by the way, also shows that in the years before that, it didn't matter. I so, for example, in 1989. <laughs> inclusivity officer or something like that and he said okay listen I've got a 31 year plan alright now hear me out <laughs> the first 25 years might seem a bit rough okay but after that I think we can really move on and by the year 2020 all we're going to have is be- players being called the M word and then the player who said that getting his own podcast <laughs> what's a podcast doesn't matter forget about that don't worry don't, about that for now don't worry that'll all, that'll all come 
all in due time. It'll all come out in the wash. It'll be fine. It'll all come out in the wash. It'll be fine. <laughs> Fucking thirty years. God. If everybody was someone who came in and said, "I've got a thirty-one year plan," wouldn't you have thought that other GMs would have taken it on? They wouldn't be stuck on this five-year plan nonsense. I get a thirty-one-year plan. Right, I've got a thirty-one-year rebuild for you, boys. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, here's how the interview goes. I've got a thirty-one-year plan. No, you don't. <laughs> get out. Oh dear. Fuck off. Oh, Not interested. God. Fucking uh, three decades. I fucking ask you. I ask you. They've, they've managed to add ten teams since that that plan was... Uh, <laughs> All right, was listen, instigated. listen. By the time we get to the 32nd team, we'll definitely have this sorted out, okay? Swear. I promise. We'll, we'll definitely. Swear promise. down, mate. Swear down. Honestly, we'll be, yeah. We'll be sorted. Honestly. By the time the 32nd team gets it, we'll be sorted. And what's going to happen is in like four years... Something else is going to happen because it happens every week, and the guy's going to say, "All right, look, it's the thir- as soon as the thirty third team gets here, okay? <laughs> I promise, I'll have this fixed." Yeah. Right, let's be reasonable. When we get to forty, it'll be all right. Yeah, I just need. What am I supposed to do with this seven hundred million dollars? How can I solve racism for seven hundred million dollars? I need more. I need in more. With the combined with the combined monies that Vegas and Seattle pulled in. I mean, how am I supposed to spend a billion dollars on promoting inclusivity in this sport? I just don't know how I can do that with a billion dollars. How much pride I mean, take what, what can a man buy with a billion dollars? Not enough, I say. Exactly. Not exactly. enough. Do you know how much I mean, it costs you know. to illuminate the PNG Paints Arena in rainbow colours <laughs> for 45 minutes? Do you know how much, you know, you know much bulbs cost? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Let alone the manpower. Do you know how many men it takes to screw in that light bulb? Those hundreds and thousands of light bulbs. How many men does it take to change inclusivity light bulbs? <laughs> well, one man in 31 years and counting. <laughs> We're real weak, folks. Don't forget to tip your waitress. What? Well, right, right, right. As, as we still haven't started the podcast yet, and we're talking about racism, should we just quickly talk about this Quinton Byfield... ISS. Fucking hell, don't I just, ah. We've we've got a we've got a for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's an ISS scouting well I d I don't know what the ISS stands for, I don't fucking care. So they're like the scout the ranking company for, for prospects or whatever. I, I think they're different from NHL Central Scouting, but they're sort of I don't know, I'd heard of them, so they've got to be fairly big in the game. So they released uh uh they're doing like a top prospects, you know, little paragraph blurb of, of all the sort of big names that you've probably heard of. And they released one about Quentin Byfield. For anyone who's not particularly up on Quentin Byfield or any of the other prospects, Quentin Byfield is black. And he had the only profile in this series that ISS released that, first of all, had a headshot instead of a game shot for his photo, which was interesting. Also, the only prospect to be tagged in their profile, uh, the only one who had their ranking listed, which was listed as number four, even though he's the consensus second overall prospect and potentially an elite first-line centre in the future. And he was the only one out of X number of top prospects, you know, sort of top ten talents, fantastic players, and there's no doubt about the fact that Quentin Byfield is going to be a fantastic NHL player. He had the only bio that was negative, calling out his work ethic, and his his ability to adapt to change and stuff like that, which, as we've been saying for the last twenty minutes or however long it's been, 
is undoubtedly racist. Like, there's no, there is no way that you you go from talking about fucking Marco Rossi and saying he's a skilled this and he's a created that, or Lucas Raymond, he's got a high work ethic and goes hard to to net and all that, to then release coincidentally for the only minority player in your series a negative review specifically highlighting man's worth work ethic and willingness to to go to the dirty areas of the net of, of the of the ice it's just fucking outrageous the thing is oh well right <laughs> <laughs> thing is maybe they've got a point well about his work ethic because he's only got so far if you look at his elite prospects page and the, the the player statistics at the top, league wise, he's only had so far in measured games three hundred seventy three points in two hundred seven games. I mean that's all. Go so, I mean clearly he's not he's, he's not putting the time in. Clearly, I mean in his in his under fifteen Triple uh, A league for the York Simcoe Express, he only had one hundred eight points in thirty three games. But the C in that Triple A stands for captain. So that couldn't. Does it? I that, didn't realise. Oh, that, right. That couldn't possibly mean that he he was a hard worker though, or had the respect of his teammates and no. his coaches. No, of course. No, and, and I mean, if I could take your your eyes to this season, uh, yeah, the two thousand nineteen twenty uh, truncated OHL season with the Sudbury Wolves. Yeah. His second in the OHL. So we had eighty two points in forty five games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. But who? I mean, who doesn't? Will let's be honest. I mean, who can't do that? Let's be uh, honest. Yeah, there's that. But then the thing that worries me is he only had forty-four penalty minutes, and he only had a plus twenty-six on his plus-minus. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. To me, if you were playing defense a bit better, what you've scored thirty-two goals and you've and you've let in at least eight, you've created eighty-two yeah. goals and you've and you've well, arguably cost your team fifty odd, fifty-eight. It's just I don't. For me, not the kind of player I want on my hockey team, personally. No, no, not at all. I mean, especially you know, especially not a player who's not going to go and work in those dirty areas and create things. You only had, you only had fifty assists in forty-five games. But I mean, but whatever. You know, he's not he's not going to create anything either. Not not a but team player at all. No. And if no. you could if you could have gotten into the triple digits for Pims, maybe we'd see see something you can work with. Yeah, maybe. But for maybe. a man with you know presumed character issues, you can only imagine. You know, not a student of the game, not a team player. Doesn't uh, I'm trying to remember the the Tortorella uh, comments about Duclair from last year, but oh yeah, yeah. So who who could have imagined the ISS hockey prospects ranking team uh, would be a bunch of racists, a bunch of Nazis, if you will? <laughs> who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen? The clues are there, folks. Well, the clues are there. Hiding in plain sight. Fucking hell. Right, is that is that all the racism this week? Or have we got any more? <sighs> I mean, I want to say yeah, <laughs> but there's still time for this show it's... to carry on. I mean, you know, we could start us some breaking news in the next <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour, Will. Who knows? I'm, I'm deliberately not looking at Twitter because I don't want to see any more journalists arrested on live TV or any more fucking Tony <laughs> D'Angelo tweets. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking live sometimes. Jesus. <laughs> It's just too much. I can't fucking deal with it. Sometimes, oh yeah. Oh, Christ. Right. Should we start the show? If I say yes, are we actually going to do it? Yes. All right. Come on, let's do it. All right. This has broken the record, by the way. <laughs> like th- <laughs> 32 minutes. minutes in, we're starting the show. <laughs> fucking beautiful. Shout out. Fucking shout out to Mark versus Wyshynski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really bringing back the classics for that one. 
<laughs> an homage. All right. NHL has laid out its return to play plan. We are not going to go through it because obviously with hockey news being a dearth there's just fucking hell 67 articles in the first six minutes about what it means for every team. Fair play to people, you know, because obviously reporters have to get these stories up and have to meet deadlines and have to, I'm sure have to fill out quotas for work for the year and all that kind of thing. But so we'll just get on to a couple of things on the side of it. I can't make my mind up if I like the fact that the top four seeds, they're playing for seeding or not, I can't decide. I mean, they are playing for seeding. I can't decide if I like that or not. I'll, I'll tell you, Dan, you don't like it, and here's for why. Go on, then. We're always talking about football, because we're English, and that's of course basically all we have to talk about. And we're always... We, you know, we, we appreciate the league, don't we? You know, there's, there's an element... Yeah, that's true. So by having... These, yeah, you know, you've you've got your top four seeds, and they've got the buy for the for the play-in round of the postseason, and that's good. That's good. That's rewarding you for what you've done in the seventy-plus games of the regular season. <laughs> but by having this sort of seeding tournament between the top four seeds, just to just as busy work, because that's all it fucking is, is busy work for these teams. You are completely mugging off the entirety of the regular season. It's that oh, well, well done, Boston, for absolutely destroying teams for sixty nine games or whatever it was. Now you've got to play the Flyers and the Penguins and the Capitals, or the the no, sorry, the Capitals and the Lightning. If you have a couple of bad games on the first games back since February in a meaningless pre playoff tournament, all of your work through that throughout the regular season has been undone. It's making an utter mockery of it, and that's why you don't like it. Weirdly, being a Bruins fan, you think I would be vehemently against this idea. I don't love it. I don't, but I don't. I don't hate it. Uh, here's why I don't hate it. We were talking the other week about how do you make games between the top four seeds who get a buy meaningful? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Why wouldn't if the Bruins are guaranteed to be the first seed, and 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 the like, the rumors are you're going to have something I don't know, like thirty skaters or twenty nine skaters or whatever it turns out to be. Why you not send out? Why would you just not send out all your scrubs and just? Oh, okay, who cares if we lose the first six games? All our players are rested, like Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. Our top line's completely rested and fresh to go. You have to play for something. I think, like I think I said this. What I would have done was I would have given the Bruins a, a, like a points head start. So they start on four points. The Lightning start on three. Caps on two. Flyers on one. That way, you does at least. A chance that okay, you've got some kind of reward, but the tables could still turn. You know, if the things go right for the Flyers, maybe they could nick top spot. Because there was because there was enough games left where yeah, maybe they could have nicked top spot. We don't know. Maybe they could have done. I think there should have been something in that playing game that, that on the um, in the round robin game for the top seeds. Another problem I have with it, which you touched on very nicely in your little point, saying about oh, if it didn't mean anything you'd rest your players and then you'd have your top line completely rested. Isn't the point of having a bye in a postseason 
so that you rest your players and then they're completely yeah, rested. Point. So now fair by introducing point. something that's worth playing for in the sense that if you lose your losing stat, you know, uh, home ice advantage, which while a lot, of, a lot of people are saying, well, it's not home ice advantage because it's not home ice, you still get last change, you fucking dolt. It's quite important. <laughs> there is no advantage at all as to being in the bye, especially when you think you're playing meaningful games, supposedly meaningful games, against better fucking teams. But <laughs> 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 the, the whole thing is just mental. It's utterly mental. Well done, Philadelphia, for putting that massive run together and going on an absolute tear towards the end of the season. Here's your reward. You're playing the three best teams in your conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> I just part of me, part of me wonders whether it's going to go pure NHL and nobody's going to try in these in these um, you know reseeding games in the sense of oh well you know Boston have earned the right to be first so we we don't want to rock the boat and knock them out of first or whatever. It's just it's dumb. It's really dumb because there's no way you're, like I it's not going to be full level playoff hockey in this round robin. No way. While no, it won't be. You might have teams taking it more seriously than like a preseason game or whatever, or like a training camp scrimmage, but it's not going to be full on because they know that it's not. It's not worth you know, bursting a lung over whether you're first or second seed in the conference. So I it's get... not worth it. It's not worth it if you're first or fourth seed, regardless. No. it doesn't matter. In in some ways, as we've said before, if they don't reseed after the playing tournament. Like you might be better off being the fourth seed in the end anyway. If you were the if you were the coach then, of the Bruins, the Lightning, the Caps, or the Flyers, Fuck. are you gonna are you, are you gonna rest players, or bring them in for one game at the end, or I don't know, or just say to them, you know what, go out, can get you, you know, get your get your wind, but yeah. that's it. Don't I, don't go crazy. I think There's no it, point. It's gotta be a like in preseason games. Like, don't worry about the result. Just get your fucking legs down, dear. Like the real, the real, yeah, yeah. Whatever will be, will be. Because to an extent, if you come out, say the Bruins come out against the Capitals, and the Bruins are of the mindset of just get your legs under you, don't try too hard, don't bust a gut, and the Capitals are the opposite, and they're saying, I want to see you give in, I want you to leave it all out on the ice on every shift, then if I'm if I'm Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, I'm thinking, right, cool, if we get the Capitals in the second round proper, they're going to be more fucked than we are, so... So it plays into your into your, your strengths in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. you got if if you're one of those teams, why would if you're one of the top seeds, why the hell would you go out there risking injury Not. <laughs> in a nothing game? In a yeah, in in a pre-playoff tournament, is it? Is it's effectively like the last three games of the season when you're already locked into a playoff position? Yeah, because because nobody nobody really tries and those, and rightly they shouldn't. So I reckon, yeah, I think it'll be treated a bit like preseason. You'll probably, where they're having like 45 black aces on each squad, I reckon there'll be a lot of emphasis on getting those players up to speed and testing them out and seeing what you've got. Because that's, that's effectively what it's going to be. It's going to be glorified preseason. And I think to an extent, the the NHL would do well to not actually put any stakes at place. Because then that really does make it a bit more of an advantage. Like, look, here's some... The playing teams will have their own training camps, presumably. So you'll have inter-squad scrimmages, but I assume they won't have any friendly games, any exhibition games. So to give purely exhibition games to the top four seeds in each conference would actually be a benefit as well. 
arguably more of a benefit than playing quote unquote meaningful hockey. Did you um did you message me thinking a team some teams might throw their series for a better lottery pick? Is that what you were getting at? Oh yeah, like the, so so with the with the playing series, like obviously with the draft lottery, so they're doing like a two stage lottery sort of thing. They're going to draw for the first overall pick, and the, there's going to be like a team A through H, which will represent the eight teams that could get knocked out of the playing round. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're one of the teams that's playing in the playing round and one of the... Because I think the way it's going to work, they're going to draw. Say it's one of these mystery playing teams. Oh, now I see what you're saying. They're then going to redraw once they know who those teams actually are. So Because where they've all got a 3% chance at the number one pick, say it's drawn out, okay, team C has the number one pick. After you know which teams they actually are, they're going to redraw again just out of those eight teams. Yeah, is my understanding. So yeah, part of me thinks, is there not going to be a GM that's like, say you're Chicago or Montreal or whatever, or even the Rangers? You think we weren't going to be in the playoffs anyway? If you've got a better chance at, a, if you've got a one in eight chance at Lafreniere, versus getting to the first round and getting swept by Lightning or whatever, what what do you take? <laughs> what would you rather do? I don't hate that idea. Obviously, it's never going to happen because the fucking. Yeah, hey, job players are boring. Very short-sighted, <laughs> Dan. Very short. Never see the bigger picture. Funnily enough, not many UFAs get <laughs> throwing games so that the team can get a good, uh, good draft pick. I love the like, like the Panthers beat the Islanders and get through to play the Lightning. And the, wow, the Lightning win seven nil. The Lightning win nine nil. The Lightning win the series with a ten nil whitewash of the Florida Panthers. That's weird. Although the Panthers aren't picking second in the uh, draft lottery, so and there you go. I just, I could see a few GMs' eyes widening if, like, the mystery team was was pulled. Yeah, especially if it, yeah, especially if it's first or second. Well, it, again, like, it's also confusing the the sort of um, the way they've released it. I think they're just I, no, they're picking for one through three, aren't they? It's closer to like how the lottery was, but oh, it's just so it's just hard to get your head around sometimes, isn't it? I know, like I said, just fucking do it after the fucking Stanley Cup's finished. Just do it after the, after it's finished. Why well, not? No one's in any Why? rush. It's, it's not like if you get the first overall pick, you suddenly have to be like, oh, well, who, who are we going to pick? It's yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have any homework to do. Your scout should have been watching Game Firm for the past fucking two and a half months, Fuck just me. in case. Fuck me. Yeah, innit? And, and again, with like the top, the top two, it's a bit of a no-brainer. When you get to third, there's arguably a decision to be made, but... Yeah, you should be up to date on pretty much all those players, surely. It won't matter anyway, because Sens are getting first and second overall, so... Oh, I don't know. Part of me, part of me wants to see the intrigue of, of Mystery Team D being pulled out of, uh, <laughs> out of the pot. I was like, oh, Because then that would make the playing round a bit more interesting, because it's like, all right, the winner gets into the playoffs, but the loser gets into the draft lottery. Oh yeah, well, that's true. Here we go. That's, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Then you can like microanalyze every single play and like, ooh, well, Tyson Barry uh, played that puck in, in front of his own keeper a bit willingly, didn't he? Maybe he's uh, got instructions <laughs> from from Senor Dubas. <laughs> Come Dubas goes down to the uh, to the dressing room. He's like, right, got some new tactics for you boys. <laughs> We're going to try and play out from the back. What, the D-men moving the puck? No, 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 no. 
from the back, boys. Every time you get the puck <laughs> on, it's straight on, straight onto Freddie's stick. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea. Well, to be fair, Dumas would never do that because the Leafs can't afford to sign anyone else, can they? But even more reason to get a superstar on a three-year entry-level contract. Oh, shit, yeah, good point, good point. Then they can trade away that pant-dropping troublemaker, can't they? William Nylander's never dropped his pants, has he? Not yet, well, like I said, the show's still young. <laughs> <laughs> right, just quickly, who are you taking out the East? Who are you picking to get to the final from the East? Just one word. Tampa? <laughs> Flyers? And then the West? Um, I can't remember who who's good. Who's good in the West? Give me, give me a team. Um, the Blues? No, fuck it. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't like anyone to. I don't have money on anyone to win at the moment. Not even, not even the number four seed Dallas Stars. I, I kind of want to go for the Dallas Stars because that's just how the world would torture me. By letting yeah. the Stars win the cup and then meaning that Rick Bonus to get his job back. And then he could play <laughs> Dennis Guriano for 13 minutes a night for the next five years. Yeah, go on then. Chuck the Stars in there. Why not? I'll take the abs. <laughs> yeah, why not? Who cares? I was going to say, well, I, do, I will say as well, is we're kind of talking about seeding and play-ins and is it fair? It's the fucking playoffs. Like, what? we know, never know what's going to happen anyway. Mate, so it doesn't matter, does it? I'll tell you what, given the situation, I reckon we could end up with another 2006 situation with, like, not strictly Carolina and Edmonton in the final again, but I think I think there's a strong chance that none of the top seeds end up in the final. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and I, it, if, you, if, you told me, if you told me it's going to be Florida versus Minnesota, I'd be like, yeah, all right. This is it. I, <laughs> I reckon you could have two, not just play-in teams like team you could have at least one team that is not in the top 16 make it <laughs> yeah. to the final I'd, i can i could see it i totally agree i totally agree i'd love to see that i'd absolutely love to see it it'd be worth it to see the ratings <laughs> what plummet when it's when it's uh the blue jackets versus the jets in the uh in the final yeah game one of the Stanley cup final only marginally beaten out in the ratings by reruns of cops so that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> don't well, I'd say don't cast out cops but yeah we should at the moment <laughs> yeah that's true fucking hell this week witness the <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on Spotify iTunes Stitcher Google Podcasts YouTube and in the car on a drive to Durham to test our eyesight <laughs> hey, hey, and if you could leave a five star review on iTunes that would be fantastic as always we're brought to you by Ray Vintel Jason and his crack team of stat badgers have been busy at work the past few days in prep for the return of the season. Take a look at a raft of data that is super easy to read and will help you appear smarter than you look. Wave Intel online and on Twitter being smart so you don't have to. I asked you, I asked you a question on the chat this week. Who would be the best or funniest Canadian team to win the cup? It's got to be the Jets, isn't it? For this season specifically. Really? I think so. The funniest, like a team that came into came into the season with one NHL defenseman in Josh Morrissey, <laughs> a, a team that specifically traded for Neil Pionk. <laughs> <laughs> how can you, how can you not say that that wouldn't be the funniest cup champion? I do always get a kick as well out of players who maybe throw their toys out of the pram, thinking they're leaving a sinking ship, and then the sinking ship actually rises above all the others and wins. 
And, and Jacob Truber. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Would, I, don't, I don't know if you'd say Jacob Truber's thrown his toys out the pram. He was more exercising his, his rights under the CBA. No, I was I was thinking more uh, I want Mr. Dustin Bufflin. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Again, I, I, I don't know if anyone's thrown their toys out of the pram this year, have they? Well, I don't know if he's throwing toys out of the pram, but clearly he didn't want to play there anymore. Yeah, that that would add a level of hilarity to it. And it all became a bit messy. I could decide if it was the Oilers or the Habs. <laughs> because, like I've said before, a Canadian team doesn't win the Cup for something like nearly 30 years. And then the first team to win it again is one of the most successful ones. <laughs> it wouldn't be, it couldn't be Vancouver or, Ed, or, um, or Calgary. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it'd have to be one of the ones who won it like last time, or who's actually successful. And maybe the Habs winning it by absolutely backdooring their way in when they've been absolute trash, and Bergevin's just been slated for the past five years, and then they win the cup it, on a fluke. It, it would be beautiful. It would be absolutely. I'll, I'll take the I'll take the Habs out of the East just because it would be such a right. They were the last ones to win it in '93. Now they're. Uh, <laughs> they're the next ones to win it and like you say completely undeserving and it also yeah. it also just being like lost in the shuffle of oh it's cup number 38 for the Habs or whatever it fucking is like <laughs> like the, the Montreal Canadiens could give a fuck about winning another standing cup like they've got plenty <laughs> it's like oh we won yeah. oh, alright cool oh we broke the Canadian streak uh, alright cool yeah <laughs> whatever just, a, just another one and then I thought as well um, which team would be the funniest if they went out in either the playing round or the first round proper, first round proper is the Tampa Bay Lightning. There is no question about absolutely. it. Absolutely, no Could question not agree about more. it. And they have to get swept. They absolutely have to get swept. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not funny if they if they don't get swept. I think, I think for the playing round, maybe the Penguins, just because like they don't really deserve to. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, so it's the Penguins out of the East, or definitely the Oilers out of the West, because the Oilers have been shafted. For for not being in the top four seeds, yeah, that's true. And then the and then it, and then they're playing the Blackhawks, who you just know have like I don't know some kind of mojo or something this season. Yeah, if there's ever going to be a bullshit upset, it's going to be the Hawks over the Oilers. Oh Christ! Forget Canadian team winning the cup. What if the, the fucking Blackhawks win the cup oh this my year? God. That, that <laughs> wouldn't. Can you imagine? That wouldn't be funny at all. There oh wouldn't God. there wouldn't be anything funny about that. <laughs> Make me fucking sad. Oh dearie me, dearie me. The the thing that's particularly tragic about the Oilers, and something that I've I've only really just noticed as like an issue with points percentage. <laughs> so the Oilers have missed out on a top four seeding to the Stars. Stars have point five nine four points percentage, and the Oilers have a point five eight five. So yes, neither team is exactly great and deserving of a spot. But the Stars have played two less games than the Oilers. So the Stars have played 69, 37 wins, 24 losses, 8 OT losses. Oilers have 71, 37, 25, 9. The difference being, to end out the season, the Stars had a relatively significant losing streak of six games, if memory serves. No, it's not that, wasn't it? So there is an argument that if the Stars had played the same number of games as the Oilers... They would have lost those last two games and thus not been in the top four seedings. Well, that's what's going to come out after it all, isn't it? It's going to be all the permutations and the stories. And do you realise if this goal hadn't been scored or if this penalty hadn't been taken, this team would have been here. They would have then played this team and so on and so on and so on. So yeah, exactly. That's all going to come out in the wash, isn't it? Yeah. 
Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be fucking lovely. All right then, so in news surprising to everyone, but no one, Jason Bottrell will be back for a fourth season in Buffalo because clearly he has pictures of the Pagoulas doing something unspeakable with buckets of fish or something. I don't know what, I don't know why. Will, let's break this conspiracy wide open. Why is he coming back? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell you. Okay, well, clearly, let's say this. It can't be for hockey reasons, so there must be something. I, th- I think there's got to be some element of them thinking, we can't do it again. We can't hire another GM. <laughs> I think he's uh, he's only the second GM they've hired since they've taken over the Sabres, isn't he? That seems right, yeah. Because they had Tim Murray? Yeah, Tim Murray. Who's, who's, the, who's the coach I'm thinking of? Ted. Ted Nolan. Ted Nolan. Tim Murray. Oh, anyway, so it's Tim Murray before him, uh, and now it's, it's Borrell afterwards. So I think to an extent they're thinking, well, if we re if we hire a new GM, that's not necessarily going to get the immediate change that we want. So we might as well let him carry on. But I mean, he got he got Henry Yokoharu. He's going to be good, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> so, hopefully. Hey, the Sabres, or they used to have a Con Smythe when they were on their team. Yeah, but, you know, pre-Con Smythe and, and, and Selkie and all that, but they had him. They definitely had him. And That's hey, true. Hey, um, Jason Buttrell traded for him, did he, I think? Yeah. And and he was miserable while he was there, so that's something. Because <laughs> <laughs> he lost his smile. Is there another um, <laughs> superstar centre on the Sabres who's miserable while he's there? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just quickly... Just a quick snapshot of Jason Bottrell, Sabres GM, a brief history. He has failed to get that team to 80 points in three years. <laughs> he is the only GM in history to trade a player who then became the Con Smythe winner the next season. That's fucking mental. Isn't that insane? That's beautiful, I would never have believed that was. Po- I would never have believed that was possible. With all the teams that try and make that blockbuster deal to get to the cup final, and some of them have worked, I would never have thought that was the first time last season with O'Reilly. I can, I can believe it because like, the NHL doesn't do trades. I know, but I would have thought it would have happened once. That's the first time ever? I mean, that's crazy. Probably the closest would be Joe Neuendijk with the Stars. Yeah, maybe. That's a good shout. I think he was traded for like the year before. Nice. I was thinking about I, my thought. I know he didn't win it, but I thought maybe Jeff Carter could have been someone who was, you know, had a shout. But yeah, he'd have been he'd have been close because he was traded in two thousand and twelve, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh no, nah. Joe Newton was traded like four years before. Excuse me. Oh, fair enough. Maybe it, it would it have been it would have been Phil if he'd have gotten the console oh, yeah. he deserved. That's a good point, yeah. But still, <laughs> having that <laughs> still. resume, fucking hell. That's 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 rough, isn't it? That is rough. You know what else is on his what else is on your resume? Go on. The beautiful Jeff Skinner contract. Beautiful Jeff Skinner contract. <laughs> Do, does the Jeff Skinner contract get offset by the fact that he's shackled Jack Eichel to the radiator in his basement for the next six years? I think it might do. <laughs> I'm gonna give us a little bit of a back pat. We at the time we like Jeff Skinner contract, we were just saying, What? How much money? Are you insane? Excuse me for Jeff Skinner. <laughs> Whose whose best season was his rookie season? (laughs) 
Yeah. And they're also they're also at the brink of the salary cap, and they've not played any meaningful games in uh, past March in the past eight years. Oh, and just look at this roster. Do you think why the fuck is this team less than a million dollars away from the salary cap ceiling? You got fucking Kyle Poso, Wayne Simmons, Michael Froelich, Jimmy VC. Jimmy VC. Jimmy VC. Fucking Brandon Montour. Jesus. Fucking Lawrence Palut has just, uh, just said, fuck this, I'm going to the KHL. Like, God. I'm, I'm, I'm not being funny, but like, if you're mishandling your relatively good prospects so badly that they're saying, fuck this, I'm going to go play in the KHL, you're probably doing something wrong. Probably. Do you know what as well? They've only got four forwards signed for next season so far. I get it. It's because I know obviously it's it's all gone crazy, but yes, yeah, and worrying, those four forwards take up those four forwards take up thirteen million dollars. <laughs> they fucking do. I mean, they? fair enough. One of them's Jack Eichel, but the other three are not Jack Eichel. To be fair, Dan, it's only uh, twenty nine million dollars. I was. Oh no, sorry. Twenty nine point five million dollars. Yeah, I was being very mean there, but that's a very very unfair mis misrepresenting the facts. It's beautiful, and like the the article comments this week of uh, I was just tired of losing. <laughs> yeah, I'll read this quote to you, verbatim from Mister Eichel. Listen, I'm fed up with losing, and I'm fed up, and I'm frustrated. It's definitely not an easy pill to swallow right now. It's been a tough couple of months. It's been a tough five years with where things have went. I'm a competitor. I want to win every time I go on the ice. I want to win the Stanley Cup every time I start a season. I've already started preparing for next season now. Fucking hell, Jack, you poor bastard. Just have a Mars bar and chill out. I'm already back on the ice. I'm already in training. I'm already doing things to try and better myself for the start of next season, whenever that is. I'd be lying if I said that I'm not getting frustrated where where things are going, I'll say. I think we took a step this year. No, you didn't. I will say it's been a pleasure working with Ralph, and he does so much for our group, even on off days. There are tough times, and he does an amazing job of bringing us back in and narrowing our focus and getting us back to where we need to be mentally. The few times I've spoken to him during this quarantine, it's been good. But yeah, I'm definitely not in the greatest place with where the last little bit went, and it's definitely worn on me. Fucking hell, mate. I'm, I, no shit. Sounds, uh, sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does a little bit, doesn't it? Sounds just like a similar... So I feel like we've heard this story before. He just needed to say at the end, and I've lost my smile. I've heard the bl- I've heard the Blues are looking for a second line centre. <laughs> the, the the thing, the difference between Eichel's comments and, and the whole thing with O'Reilly a couple of seasons ago is is I have not got a shred of sympathy for Jack Eichel, not a fucking iota of it. That's what you get, mate. That's what you get. <laughs> So you give a signing that long a contract when you are butter boy in fucking Buffalo. <laughs> we have we've got a, a long enough catalogue of audio now that we can say and we and we say this sometimes that yeah, we said this years ago. One of the first ever things I remember you saying to me was, Why the fuck do these young players think they owe these teams all these years? And it was about Jack Eichel. And you said, Why has Jack Eichel signed for this team? They're like they're not going anywhere. They've got no idea. They're they're not good, and it was just he's just seen the money signs and gone eighty million dollars. Oh my god, yes, and that's it. It's I don't I don't like the whole idea of like a culture of losing. 
you know the whole idea that like oh these these walls are losing you know as soon as you come into this rink it's, you're a loser or whatever but fucking hell we're on to GM number two and they're still fucking shit shit Dan they're fucking awful like I don't I don't get how a team can be so is does it then come down to like the ownership and the people who are hiring the people who hire the people you know what I mean like if if both Jason Borrell and and Tim Murray have done such a bad job building squads, it's got to come down to the Pagulas at some point to say, look, you keep hiring these fucking shitheads to build these teams that are crap. That's your fault. The fact that Jason Potter has made another fucking eighty point team. You get all the time. You get all the time on, you know, talking head shows and all that shit. People saying, well, yeah, but the players are the ones who go out on the ice and do the thing and blah blah blah. How many times have we seen? a new GM or a new coach step into a team oh and look suddenly these players know how to play the game mm-hmm. look at the Islanders look at like fucking Lou gets in there the fucking Bond villain gets in there his fucking name. what Barry Trotz Barry Trotz I thought you meant Lou's the Bond villain how is Barry Trotz a fucking Bond villain he looks like a Brit- he looks like a western odd job <laughs> he's like he's like four foot high and four foot wide <laughs> anyway <laughs> <laughs> but that, but like yeah I mean look at like Ken Holland in Edmonton I mean really what's changed in Edmonton apart from Ken, Kenny Holland's gone in there and clearly and he's clearly made a few changes all their players are pretty much the same there's like maybe one or two that have changed same with the Islanders suddenly the Islanders went from being oh god they've got Matt Barzal and and then it became, oh, actually, no, they've actually got more players than this. They play to a strength. They know what they're doing. Their goalies are always good. They're tough to break down. Look at Torts in Columbus. So I mean, put like put put a different coach in that position. You think Columbus are going to be as good? No, they're not. Torts knows how to coach those players. He's a good coach. Coaches and GMs absolutely matter. The players have to execute what's happening. Yes, I agree. But all the time, all this, well, the players are the ones who go on the ice and do it. You can't expect a GM to go on the ice and play the game. No, but I expect your GM to not give Jeff Skinner $9 million so he'll then have a bit more money that, well, if at the deadline, okay, there's a guy hanging around here for two and a half million. Yeah, we could probably do something with that guy, actually. Then you can go and do it. And then, you know, it can give your team a bit of a lift. So do you think it's, it's a bottle problem or a Kruger problem? I think... I, I think it's a bottle problem. Yep. I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you I mean, on look, that. I mean, all right, okay. I mean, I'm, talk- I'm talking about the Islanders, and obviously Lou and Trotz go in, and you know suddenly this this team turns around, and they're actually really good. They they lose their franchise player for for nothing, and everyone's just like, "Well, Jesus Christ!" And look at look at the Flyers. I mean, you're telling me that everyone had the Flyers as the fourth best team at this point in the season, and no, of course they didn't. King Ghidorah has gone in there, and they've worked out a system, and they're working it well. So that shows that that okay, that was the coaches who've done that. But then the Islanders, Lou and Barry Trotz, okay, that's them doing it together. Ken Holland's gone into Edmonton, okay, there's a change there. That's working. It, it's not just the players. It, it's why Ralph Kruger's probably going to keep his job. You're going to get another coach in Buffalo. It's, you it's, know what I mean? Yeah, well, definitely, definitely the coach. Like you can't change a coach every season and expect it to work. But I think I do kind of think they probably should have binned off Bottrell because he hasn't done enough. Oh, I agree. If there's if you're if you're if you're the GM and there is not one marked improvement in three years, then yeah, you you should be gone. You should be canned. Yeah. See you later, mate. It's over. You've had you've had three years. If there's no, 
fair enough, you might not get into the playoffs, but probably the two best te- the two best teams. Well, you, you could argue the two best teams in the past two years were Boston and Tampa. They're playing in your league. It's going to be tricky to get to the playoffs in that division, but you should at least be making progress. Okay, we're a bit closer. We're a bit closer. We're we're getting there. You know. Yeah, there is no marked just, improvement. No, there's just nothing. There's just nothing, and, and that's that's a bottle problem. And it's it's situations with like things like they just have not. Um, he hasn't. Uh, what's the word? He hasn't addressed intrinsic issues with the with the club. Like, why the fuck is Rasmus Ristolainen still a Buffalo Sabre? He's got to have gone. They've got too much money tied up in mediocre defensemen, and he wasn't able to to shift any of them. Yeah, yeah. You, you got um, you got Zach Bogosian on a on a blooming buyout. Yeah, congratulations. But that's <laughs> that's that's fucking it. He's still got so many players that that just should not be there at all. What we're we talking about last season. We talked all the time about how we felt sorry for a guy making $12.5 million a year in Edmonton. <laughs> and we said, like, this dude's just fucking depressed. And we laughed and joked about him going home. He just, you know, he's playing putt-putt golf with his fucking leg all braced up, looking sad <laughs> as shit with a T-shirt with an unhappy face on it. And we're just like, Jesus Christ, Connor. Like, God, mate, I feel so sorry. I feel so sorry for you. You must be fucking miserable. And this is the leader of your club, the captain of your club. Ken Holland goes in. All of a sudden, ah, he has a sit down with Connor. He gets talking to him. Connor, what do you think we should do? How do you want to do this? What do you think is a good idea? How would you change things for some of the players? Gets his captain involved. The captain then drives the ship. Your best player starts making things happen around, not just on the ice, but off the ice. And suddenly the team's fortunes change around. That's what needs to happen with Eichel. A GM needs to go in, change everything around and say, right, what's been the culture here? Why aren't you guys playing well? Where GM should be making you know tough decisions, so that's what they get paid to do. But I think as a I think as a I mean if I was a if I was a captain of the team if I'm if I'm Jack Eichel, and the GM says, I want to talk to you in my office in private, and you go up and have a chat, and he says to me, okay Jack, what do you want to happen? Like how can we make this better for you? Like you're our golden goose. I'd be thinking, all oh, right, good. He actually values my opinion. He actually wants to talk to me and get ideas, and we, we can work this as a team. And that's what it should be. But it just seems in Buffalo that you've got the players and the coach and the GM and the owners instead of having like this kind of cohesive unit. And, and I think the fact that Eichel's coming out and saying all these things, you know, openly giving his his frustration to the media, similar to what, what happened with Connor when Chiarelli was still in charge, it shows a, a lack of cohesion between him and Bottrell. Because I think to an extent, if, if Eichel had faith that Bottrell was working in his best interest and doing what he thought was best, or you know, at least working in the way that Eichel understood as this is going to be beneficial for us in the long run, he wouldn't be out there making those uh, those comments to, to ultimately undermine what Bottrell's doing. So uh, once, like you say, once you've lost your star player, how are you going to build a successful hockey club? If you if you don't understand the needs of the player that you have to build this team around, because it's it's Eichel and yeah. it's Eichel and Darlene, those are your two. Everyone else is expendable as far as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you've got some good good young players in like Victor Olofsson, Henry Yokaru and stuff like that. But if you're not building around Jack Eichel and Rasmus Darlene, you're not doing it properly. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Because once 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 those players go on the ice, they're looking at who's on the ice with them. They're not, they're not turning around mid-play 
looking at the coach going, what am I doing? What, what do you want me to do here? No, they're looking at what Eichel's doing. Like, okay, this guy's pushing, he's driving, he wants to win, he wants to push harder. Shit, I'd better keep up with him, I'd better go, I'd better do this. And instead, Jack's getting on the ice just like, dum do dum do dum do dum And everyone's just looking at him thinking, oh, fucking hell. There's a guy making $10 million and he's miserable. How am I going to feel? I'm only making like $2 million. I'm miserable as well. And it's, it's not just about the players that are on the ice with him. There's got to be an element of enough depth within the squad and the roster you know, down the line up that Eichel doesn't think I'm the only fucking hockey player here. If I'm not scoring yeah. tonight, nobody's fucking scoring. Yeah. And I think, not that McDavid necessarily has that apart from Dreisaitl in, in Edmonton, but I think as a player, once you've got confidence in the teammates around you, you know, you're not, you're not gripping your stick so tight as they say, you know, you're not... You're not trying to win it every shift, so you're able to be more effective. Also this week, there's a little, uh, not really anything worth deep diving on this, but Steve Eisman said there are no plans as yet for any coaching changes in Detroit. He was in a uh, Zoom media conference call the other day, and I picked up my favourite quote here, Will, which is, uh, I think the word is devastating. Quite frankly, we need help in every area. We need to score more goals, we need to improve defensively, we need to improve in net. All right then, okay, lots of... (laughs) Lots of problems there, then. Yeah, but fair play, Stevie White. I, th- I think he said something yeah. along the lines of, like, oh, yeah, nobody, it wouldn't be fair to judge Blashill's coaching prowess based on, on the team we had assembled for this season. And, yeah, fair play. And I think yeah, that's it's true. There's been a lot of um, a lot of jokes in there about Jeff Blashill. Like, well, clearly he's the right man for the job because they're guaranteed a top draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> he's, done, he's done exactly what was asked of him, but... How can you judge a coach when he's dealing with a roster this bad with a team that is going to have to build through the draft and just wait a few years to get some contracts off their books? You yeah. can't really you can't really pick out any mistakes he's made yet because he's not an even chance to kind of put a team together. No, I, I mean, I don't think Blasio has been a fantastic coach because we've seen good coaches get better out of, you know, get good stuff out of bad rosters before, but... Ever since he came to Detroit, he's not really had a good roster at all. And I think I think Stevie Wise made the right decision because it's a win-win for him. Either Blashill flakes out and isn't any good again, so they get another high draft pick, or he turns out to be decent enough. And you know, one more year to truly evaluate what Blashill can bring to the Detroit Red Wings is is by no means a bad thing. No, and you know, in the last three drafts, they've picked sixth, sixth, and ninth. Decent picks, but not life-changing Yeah, decent, but yeah, you need, you need, as we've seen, you can, if you can get a generational talent on your team, it can make all the difference, all the difference. It does make all the difference, and all due respect to, you know, your Philip Zadinas, your Moritz Siders and all that, like, they're not Lafreniere, they're not Byfield, they're not Matthews, they're not McDavid, like... It, the fact of the matter is either you get lucky with a superstar further down the, the sort of draft list or you pick one or two. Those are your choices. Yeah. That's the only way you're really going to change a team's fortune around by a team that's in Detroit's position. You look at all of the top teams in the league, so Tampa, they've got two top two picks in uh, Stamkos and Hedman. Uh, Colorado have got Nathan McKinnon, obviously you've got Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh. Even down to, you know, Boston's not necessarily a good example, but they found superstars later in the draft in your Brad Marchands and your, your Bergerons, and even, even past that, but it was past that, like 25th overall or something like that. 25th, yeah. Yeah, that's the, like, like you said, though, that's the other side of it, isn't it? 
you either get you either get first or second, or you have to get lucky. Yeah. With later on, you know, picking down the list, and, and, and that's yeah, that's what the Bruins have done. And, and Bergeron is lucky because if if it's not lucky, you would have picked him earlier in the draft. Someone else would have picked him earlier <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the draft. Exactly. Yeah. But then exactly. If if you look at teams that maybe Detroit are trying to emulate, you've got like say the Rangers to. Kako, second overall last year. The, the Devils have had two number one picks in three years. Even you know, Vancouver, you'd argue, got quite pretty lucky with getting Pettersson at fifth overall. You've And then Quinn Hughes at sixth. You've just got to, if you're not getting those high draft picks and getting either someone dropping to you or the guaranteed one-two spot, you're stuffed. I'll be intrigued to see what they do next season. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's what I'll pay attention to them more. Like this off season, and just how sort of liberal Eisenman's going to be with like the scissors and that. What is is he going to yeah. buy out Justin Abdicator? Is he going to go that extreme or whatever? Is he going to what sort of creative ways are, is he going to do to to remold the hockey club in his in his vision? That's the question. Here's a question: Why do you hate the Henderson Silver Knights? Oh, because it's fucking like you might as well be the the Golden Knights B. Do you know what I mean? Like naming naming your AHL affiliate as the 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 second team of the Golden Knights. I don't want to use the word beta, but <laughs> that, that is what it is, and it's not. Yeah, practically, that is what an AHL affiliate is for an AHL club. It's your players aren't quite good enough for your for your NHL club that you want to keep on retainer and keep them playing meaningful hockey. But to name your entire team as the secondary, the inferior version of your, of your sort of um, your parent club, it's fucking lame if you ask me. I really don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I mean, it's not. It's they not... should be the. They should be the Silver Knights. They're the second. Yeah. They're the. They're the next level down. They're the Silver Knights. It. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I'm not saying it's dumb in the sense they called them like, oh, we're the Henderson. Good, uh, no, wallaby smashers, like it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> but a much a much better name, might I say? Is it, it's just I don't, I don't even really like when like an AHL team's name is the same as their parent club's team. So like you got the Iowa Wild, the Texas Stars, um, Providence Bruins, Providence Bruins. Yeah, it's like. That's not as bad, but that's still an element of our only identity is rooted in our parent club's identity. I'd prefer more when you've got like, you know, the Chicago Wolves, the Springfield Falcons, like clubs in their own right, because they are clubs in their own right, as much as they rely heavily on these parent clubs for not only funding most of the time, most of their star players come in the form of prospects that come through the AHL system, but for those those fans, it is their team, generally. A lot of the the core AHL fan base are a fan of AHL teams. They're not a fan of NHL teams. It's or you know they're not putting their money towards NHL clubs because it's not affordable or whatever it might be. It's not in their market. So to completely stylize your club as the feeder team to a parent club in the NHL robs yourself of some identity, I think, and robs your fans of that ability to identify with. A team that is their own, because if if I'm if I'm sitting around in uh, where is it in Cedar Park, Texas, and I'm a Texas Stars fan, there's going to be something in the back of my mind that is constantly reminded that 
this is the inferior product compared to the Dallas Stars. It's not my team, it's the Stars. It's like going and watching fucking Man United Reserves. So like, oh, this is nice for a fiver, but it's not Man United. <laughs> do you, do right, you, you've got to get what I mean, haven't you? I get it more with, I get it more with teams who have the same name as their NHL the NHL parent club. Yeah, I get that. I think it should be a different name, but I'm, I'm all for I'm all for this. I don't like. I don't know. I, I really don't mind. I really don't mind it. What would you? But what would you? What would you have called them? What would you have called them? I, I don't know anything about the city of Henderson, so I the the Henderson. But nothing, nothing related to medieval anything. Just a completely new random. Yeah, I think I would kind of steer clear of the medieval theme because that does still come back to linked to the knights and again the I, I get that it's like it's a bill they, they're owned by Bill Foley so to an extent yeah. that's kind of unavoidable because he's going to want everything linked together but yeah, yeah. the Henderson the Henderson Foley's Henderson, Henderson Foley's yeah absolutely the, just... how about the Henderson Jesters how about that <sighs> yeah alright I think I do think Silver Knights is especially egregious like, I don't know, you call them the, the Henderson Jousters or whatever it might be, the Henderson King. That's that's not going to be quite as bad. But the fact is that Silver Knights, it's like, come on, mate. Do you know what? I'll give you the Jousters. That's not bad. There you go. See, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Don't you worry about that. Bill Foley, let me yeah. know. But if, if you're yeah, still, you might as well be Barcelona B, mightn't you? If listening, Bill, if you need an ideas man, I've got an ideas man for you. <laughs> I've got, you have to talk to me to talk to the ideas man. Yeah, you can't sort to you. You've got to go through me first. Let me your agent. I'll be taking. I'll be taking ten percent. I'm going to ferris this shit. You got. I'm having you on. A, I'm having you on a holdout and everything. I was going to say before <laughs> I've even done an iota of work. Like, right, Bill. <laughs> I ain't working. Kids not even want anything yet. Why is you getting paid all this money? <laughs> I'm not even fucking working until you give me a pay rise. Yeah, oh, just... do you remember the? Do you remember the? Do you remember the fun days of Mitch Marner's contract discussions? Weren't they fun? <laughs> oh, Jesus fucking. Christ. How I long for those days? I do not long for those days. I would. Boring as sin. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sure we'll have another one soon. It, it would have been more interesting if he hadn't signed at the end of it. But oh god, yeah! If he'd taken one of those offer sheets, probably just sat the year out or whatever. Yeah, gone and played in Sweden. Anything? Oh, that'd have been cool. But no, it was just predictable. Fair enough. It's a it's a cool logo though for the Silver Knights. Yeah, it's actually yeah. The logo's pretty sweet. It's pretty naughty. I did, did you see the little video they put out about, oh, this wasn't, this has been months in the making, this logo? No. So they put out this little, like, I suppose, like a concept art montage for, for their, for the logo. And the whole point was, oh, this this hasn't happened overnight. This has been months in the making. But, like, the, the initial concept art they start with to sort of go on the on the journey of it it's not like out rough outlines of different types of logos. <laughs> it's just the the Silver Knights logo as it is, but like deconstructed into just colour splashes. <laughs> so um, it's like it's like because there's like a shield shape or something at the back, isn't there? Yeah. It's like the rough shape of it, and then just a splash of silver and a splash of yellow or whatever it is. <laughs> so it's basically it's basically this idea's been in the works for months but it was actually the first idea they had and they all went oh yeah that's pretty cool that'll do <laughs> and, and the way we started it was we got a shield shape off of uh, getting images 
and then we <laughs> yeah. chose two colours. <laughs> it's like a fucking kids PC game where it's like, oh, you click on the that red shape and, oh, it's turned into a letter C. Click on the green one and, oh, it's turned into a letter O or whatever. It's ridiculous. You know, they, you know they paid a fortune for that design team as well, don't you? You just know it. <laughs> and, and just everything to do with it. Bill Foley's paid like 10 times above the market value because he's like, I do not want this one to go as badly as the last one did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The last one was a wet fart. Someone says, oh, this one better be good. Bill, because of the COVID-19 situation, we can't unfortunately have a live reveal of the AHL club. He's like, thank fuck for that. Just do it on the internet. <laughs> just stick it on Twitter. Stick it on a mailing list. That'll do. Do we still send out letters? Yeah, send some letters out as well. <laughs> send some videotapes out for them. <laughs> Alrighty, there we go. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. That's this week's show. Will, any last words? I, I, I do have some last words. That's that's like two or three weeks in a row. I regretfully must apologise to the NHL because last week I chastised them for not following in the NBA's footsteps and making all of their season's games available to the public. I um, foolishly checked the NHL app this past week and have discovered that I was completely wrong and they've done exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can watch any NHL game on the NHL TV app for free for, uh, I don't know for how long, but I've got the uh, the Rangers and the Maple Leafs on my second screen as we speak, so uh, clearly it's still working. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, I was wrong. Hang on, though. So you So you made that rant and yeah. then you checked it this week. Clearly, they've got people listening been, to the show. Been listening. You're welcome, Gaz. Talk to my agent, Darren See? Ferris, and then talk to Dan I have about, uh, about how much money you're on there. I have an ideas, man. I have an ideas, man, for you, Gaz. Did, did, Just come and see me first, and we'll sort something out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm glad they've done that, because it's given me at least 35 minutes of entertainment this week. I appreciate it. There we go. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.